I'm excited to be starting a new mini-series this evening called Generous Lives. And I'm speaking tonight, and then my wife, Jen, is speaking next week, so you're in for a treat. She doesn't often make it to the evening service. It's past her bedtime. Uh, the only problem is I'm going to be putting the three small children to bed next week. Oh, well. You have a good moment. Maybe I'll get a babysitter. But... I- Seriously, seriously, no, that sounds awful, doesn't it? For those of you who don't have kids, bedtimes are hard. So let's just be honest about that. Jen doesn't preach very much, but when she does, it's fireworks. So excited about that. Now, I've called my talk this evening, Investing in Eternity. And I'm going to be speaking out of a passage in Matthew 6 from Jesus' teachings in the Sermon on the Mount. So if you've got a Bible, grab it. If not, it will just come up on the screen behind me. It's called Treasures in Heaven. It says this. Do not store up for yourself treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourself treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, his most profound teaching on what it's like to live life his way. A life in the kingdom taught us about the things that are most important in life. For any of you who've read the Sermon on the Mount, a lot of people in our, in our life like to say, yeah, the Sermon on the Mount's amazing. I'm like, you've obviously never read it. It is so challenging, the Sermon on the Mount. This passage is so challenging. If you let it affect your heart and you open yourself up to it and you say, Lord, I want to live under this, it's hard. And, uh, but it's also exciting. Now, I haven't spoken on the subject of money for over a year. And it's not so, if you're here for the first time, it's not something that I speak about every week. Just want to put that out there. But having said that, I do think it's incredibly important the way that we use and steward the resources that God gives us. And so, in this passage, he talks about our treasure and where our treasure is. And Jesus encourages us to store up treasure. That's the first thing. It's like store up treasure. Store up treasure, store it up. But he goes on to say, but in the right place. Store it up, store it up in heaven. Jesus talks a lot in his parables and teaching about the most obvious form of our treasure, money. And I'll often use the words treasure and money interchangeably. Our treasure is more than just our money. It includes the other things that we have, our possessions, our other resources. Treasure refers to wealth, money, and what money can buy, those things. I believe that money is the number one rival to God for the human heart. I'm going to say that again. Money is the number one rival to God for the human heart. I think the big three are money, sex, and power. They haven't really changed. It's the interesting thing as you look back over the centuries, you think, oh, do you know what, we've moved on. It's like, no, we really haven't. We struggle with exactly the same things now that we did 2,000 years ago. Money is the number one rival to God for the human heart. So let me show you how. God invites us throughout the scriptures to look to him to fulfill our deepest needs and desires and wants. All of those things, he says, and Jesus says this in uh, Matthew 11, he says, Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And in that moment, Jesus is saying, come to me. I will satisfy all of the greatest things in your life. 
That's the invitation, come to me to satisfy, to find our security in God, our significance in God, our identity in God, our pleasure in God, our satisfaction in God, our fulfillment in our relationship with God. He's saying, come to me in all of those separate spaces and I will fulfill you. But the really interesting thing about money, if you've got Jesus here and God saying, come to me for these things, on the other hand, you would have money saying, come to me for all of these things. Let me show you how. Money says, do you want to feel secure? Focus your life on me. I'll give you security. That's what money says. You want identity? You can buy it. The right clothes, the right house in the right area, the right car for who you want to be. Freedom? Earn enough, hoard enough, and you'll have what the world calls financial freedom. You want pleasure? There's nothing money can't buy. You want satisfaction? Just buy the next thing that your heart desires. You want fulfillment? Focus on money and all it can buy and you'll have a fulfilling life. That is the message that our world would bombard us with. Literally, all the time. Money promises us those things that ultimately only God can give. Security, significance, identity, freedom, pleasure, satisfaction, fulfillment, all of these things. God's saying, you can't, you can't worship these two things. It's either mammon or it's God. And he makes it that stark. That's why our world is so obsessed about money. Because of the promise that money gives. It promises everything. However, the truth is that if you take any one of those promises that money makes, you'll find it to be hollow. Those things can really only be found in God. Now, I just want to say one caveat. Money can make life easier. So there might be some people in here today and you're like, do you know what? I'm really struggling financially. And I would want to say that money can make our life easier. It is really, really difficult when we really, really are scraping and really, really don't have anything. So I, I do want to absolutely acknowledge that. But the thing that I'm trying to say is that money promises so many things that aren't actually true. And there is a war on for the human heart. It's a battle that we're in. That's why Jesus says you cannot worship both God and money. There's a great little book by a guy called Randy Alcorn. Great name. Um, anyway, moving on. Um, Jesus takes that profound truth. You can't take it with you. This is what he quotes and adds a stunning qualification. By telling us to store up treasures for ourselves in heaven, he gives us a breathtaking corollary, which I call the treasure principle. You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. It's that simple. And if that doesn't take your breath away, you're not understanding it. That's a big thing, isn't it? You can't take it with you, but you can send it ahead. Jesus says, invest in my kingdom, kingdom of heaven, kingdom of God, and you'll have a guaranteed return. Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Our hearts are entwined with our treasure. They are inextricably linked. Incidentally, you and I cannot tell where someone else's heart is. We lo we'd love to judge, don't we, <laughs> in life. We love to look at somebody and be like, well, that person. You cannot judge anybody else's life. We can't make that assessment based on the kind of car they drive, the house they live in, the holidays that they take. It's not our business and it's not possible because we cannot tell based on externals and because we don't know their private financial affairs. So I'm just saying we can't judge anybody else in this area. The question we're to focus on is this, where is my heart? 
is a personal thing. It's where our treasure is. That's what it says. That's what the scriptures say. We tend to think if someone's heart is captured, their money follows. And that is sometimes the case. But Jesus is telling us something really, really powerful here. He's saying, whilst it's true that our treasure will go where our heart is, it's also true that our heart follows our treasure. Can you see? It's inverted. Decide where you want your heart to be and invest your treasure there. He doesn't say sort your heart heart out and then your treasure will get right. He says, change your treasure distribution and then watch what happens to your heart. It's the other way around. John Altberg in The Life I've Always Wanted says this, the money deal is a trust deal. Jesus understood when people give their treasure, something happens to their hearts and they open themselves up to experiencing the reality of God in their lives like no way else. Generosity unlocks something within our heart. When people invest their treasure in the kingdom of God, something happens to their hearts. That's what he's saying. Invest your treasure somewhere and you'll find that your heart follows. Mark Lloyd Bottom, again, we've got some great names, in the, in the money devotional, says this. Here Jesus is telling us that our heart, our desires, our hopes, our wants are closely tied to our treasure. In fact, your heart often follows your money. If Jesus alerts us to this powerful tug of our heart, it must be something that we should pay close attention to. If you want to find out where your treasure is, then examine your bank and credit card statements and you will see which side of this tug of war is winning. Your priorities will be evident from those statements. The spending of your income indicates where your heart is. This is one of those areas where it's actually quite easy for us to tell where our heart is because we literally just need to look at what we spend. There's an outworking. If you wonder about whether this is true, that our hearts follow our treasure, may I suggest a little suggestion for you? Buy as many shares as you can possibly afford in a company. You're like, well, I've got one pound. So buy one share. Invest some serious money in Microsoft or Apple. And see if you don't find your allegiance to that company grows. You will find, if you put a whole load of money into one of those things, that you'll become more interested in how that company is doing. You're keen to see the latest product that it brings to market. You will find yourself willing it to expand, to be fruitful and successful. You'll be delighted when you hear stories of it doing well. You don't have to make a decision to be focused on the company's success. It's just the natural consequence of the fact that you've invested your treasure there. Can you see that? Isn't that so, so true? If you put your money there, suddenly you, you will really care about how it does. You just will. Same Jesus says with the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Where we invest our treasure will dictate where our heart is. Randy Alcorn, again in the treasure principle, said, God wants your heart. He isn't looking for donors for his kingdom, those who stand outside the cause and dispassionately consider acts of philanthropy. He's looking for disciples immersed in the cause they give to. He wants people so filled with a vision for eternity that they wouldn't dream of not investing their time, money, and prayers where they will matter most. I did say this is challenging stuff. I'm going to put it back to Jesus because he brought it up in the Sermon on the Mount. So the first challenge to us all and decision that we're called to make is, where is our treasure going to be? Where's the treasure going to be? 
Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. It's challenging stuff. Do you know what? I've been a Christian for a long time now. And it's really interesting how over the years, as you get older, and this is just within my own heart, I'm speaking on behalf of me, it, that the desire for security becomes stronger. I think that's really true. And that you actually have to break something as, as you go on in life. You know, we talk about this financial freedom, and if only I had this. There's this really inst- interesting statistic. If you ask somebody whether they think that they're rich, generally they will always consider, consider it to be 25% more than what they currently have, no matter how much income you have. Makes sense, doesn't it? Because none of us feel that we ever have enough. That's the danger. But as Christians, we're called to invest for eternity. So what, what does it look like? to invest in his kingdom, to care about the things God cares about. Do you know what? God cares about people. I love listening to Jackie earlier just talk about Blend. He cares about people. He cares about the poor. He cares about injustice. He cares about the hungry. He cares about the refugee. He cares about the asylum seeker. He cares about those that have less. Throughout the scriptures, God says over and over and over again, This is what I care about. I care about the poor. He's so clear. Matthew 25, 35 to 40, some of the, again, hardest words in Scripture. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty, or give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison? prison and go to visit you, the king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. When did we see that? We see it all around us. Investing in compassion. As a church, we have experienced significant favor over the last year in our compassion ministries. And I really do mean that. We've seen an explosion in our compassion ministries. They are thriving. God has and is blessing us. One of our values as a church is to be courageously compassionate. Do you know why we put those two words together? Because actually the word compassion sounds really soft and lovely. It's like, oh, compassion. I love the idea of that. I could do that. But the truth is you have to marry those two words together because it takes courage to actually be genuinely compassionate. To wash the feet of a broken world takes huge compassion. Those two, thing needs, those two things need to go together. And there's something in the heart of God that as we stand before God, he opens us up and he says, I want you to care about this. I want you to care. I want you to look beyond your own life and I want you to see the need around you and I want you to care about the things in front of you and I've placed you here. Whatever you did for the least of one of these brothers you did for me. That's what the Lord says. God is moving in our compassion ministries. The, people, the stories of people coming to faith, people having their hope renewed, quite literally seeing stories being rewritten, have raised our expectation to say we want to see more. We're not satisfied. The need in Cardiff is simply growing. Cardiff now has the greatest number of asylum seekers coming through the city in the UK as it takes its place of one of five dispersal centers. This is our city. God calls us to care for our city, where we live. 
Levels of homelessness and the use of the food banks across the UK are at an all-time high. And do you know what? The nations are coming to us. In our city, they're here. We don't need to go to the nations. Yeah, there is also a command to do that. But the nations are here. They are on our doorstep. They are all around us. We, as a people, want to be known for outrageous generosity. That's another one of our values. Outrageous. Why? Because it's beyond belief. Over the next couple of years, we've got some big plans. We want to invest in our compassion ministries. We want to grow them in response to God's leading. There's this phrase, what is the Father doing? And that's really, as church leaders, what we're trying to do. We're trying to say, God, where are you moving? Where are you moving? What are you doing? Seeing the fingerprints of God and being like, that's where we want to be. That's what we want to go after. And we're looking at some new projects on the horizon. One of them is called Green Pastures. We're looking to partner with Green Pastors, a UK-based charity who work alongside charities and churches with the chief aim to eradicate homelessness in the UK. Isn't that a great vision? Just stop and think about that moment. To eradicate homelessness in the UK, that's their vision. They are an incredible charity. They partner with churches to help buy a house that can then be turned into a home for either those living on the streets or at risk of becoming homeless. We're currently exploring the potential of entering into partnership with Green Pastures and open a house ourselves. We don't, maybe don't see that being one house, but a number of houses as time goes by. Why? Because our city needs it. This is a charity that's sitting there going, we'll give you the money to open a house. We're like, hallelujah, praise Jesus. What do we need to do? We need to host it. We need to be a part of it. Yes, we need to put resources into it, but they will help us buy a house. That's the kind of charity I want to work with. We are already massively involved in this area with Open Door, which is our Friday congregation service, working with the homeless and vulnerably housed, with TABS. We've got a number of places with Pete and all that he's doing there. And we are seeing people come to faith. We've run Alpha courses. People are giving their lives to Jesus weekly. Pete comes in. Mark comes in and they're like, somebody gave their life to the Lord. They do little selfies of people giving their life to the Lord. We are seeing people week in, week out give their lives to the Lord. But we want to do more than just relief. We want to do development. We want to see not only somebody come to faith, but then be placed within a house that utterly changes their life. Because then they get into work. We want to give people somewhere they can feel safe. That they're not on the streets. Sorry, I'm really emotional. <laughs> when we talk about God's heart, though, it moves us, doesn't it? Should do. That's God's heart. Let me tell you about something else. We've been given a warehouse. Not given, sounds too strong. We are currently squatting in a warehouse. <laughs> that, might be a better, that might be a better phrase. But we've been blessed. We're on a monthly rolling contract with a massive 10,000 square foot warehouse out in Culverhouse Cross which we're squatting in, and it's a brilliant thing. Squatting's too the wrong word, but you know what I mean. We're, we're using this facility. Um, that's the Lord's favor. We'd run out of space, and we needed more space for our storehouse and for what the Lord wants to do. What's been amazing, though, is even two or three weeks ago, since we secured this space, other charities have come to us and said, can we help, can we use this as well? So Food Bank alike, do you know what? We ran out of space. Can we use some of your space? Um, Operation Christmas Child, which give out shoe boxes. 
they're like, oh, this would be amazing. So what's happening is God is moving and beginning to move amongst other charities. Do you see what I mean? We're beginning to work together. That's the Lord at work, isn't it? When a people are unified, that's the Lord's favor and we want to respond. There's something going on in our compassion ministries. We want to do something called houses. We want to do something called houses of hope. And this is around storehouse. We're seeing people come. Um, who are being given places to live, houses to live in. But when you go to that house, there's nothing there. There's no carpet. There's no furniture. And so we want to be a blessing. We want to be able to go into those places and we want to do them up so that, you know, it's like a 24-hour project team that goes in you know, with our different sites, we've got different sites, we'll have the west, we'll have the north, we'll have central. What happens is we'll hear about something going on, whether through storehouse or through social services, and it's like we can be a blessing. We can come and we'll go in for 24 hours, we'll take a small group in, and we'll blitz that house, and we'll turn it around in order that people can live in that with dignity and honor. We're kind of already doing it, but we, we want to multiply it. Here's a little story. John Collins and his team up in the north have been doing a lot of this already. But um, there's just this great story. The response of those who've been helped has been amazing. For one lady and her children, it led to her starting to go to her local church where she's discovered Jesus and started on a life with him. Another lady said this, I still, still can't believe my eyes every day I wake up. You've changed me as a person and made me feel I'm worth hope. And I will continue to keep my hope and faith. And that's all down to you guys on the team. I'm so grateful every day. Like to visit the church and you guys someday. I can't thank you guys enough. I so appreciate everything you've done for me and my little girl. She actually plays in her room and asked me to play in her room. It's such an amazing feeling. They're small things, aren't they? They're small things, but they have a big, big impact in people's lives. And all that it requires is that we lift up our heads and we see what the Father's doing. Father, where are you moving? How can I be a blessing? We are blessed to be a blessing. Grow Baby, another one of our charities which we talk about regularly. We've seen amazing, we've seen mums come to faith and join our church. We've given away hundreds of baby items and equipment. Joey, who runs Grow Baby, had another Grow Baby project in the UK get in touch to say that a mum of two had gone to their project that day who used to live in Cardiff and she'd heard directly from this mum that for two years she was a part of our Grow Baby community and it had changed her life. This is why we do what we do, why we roll up our sleeves and we serve the city we love to see stories rewritten one story at a time. Here's another story. Another another mum came for the first time with a friend and called us aside to ask if she could talk. She told us that something was different about Grow Baby, but she couldn't put a finger on it, but that the love in the room was overwhelming, that she was brought to tears. She loved the place and couldn't believe it was all free. She so desperately wanted to give something back, so she asked how she could repay the love and generosity shown that morning. What could she bring that would be of some use? Clothes, nappies, etc. She's come back week after week, and you can see the enjoyment she gets in the community. It's a community. It's not just a service. It's a people finding relationship with one another. That's the picture. It's not just about giving stuff out. That's good. Again, that's relief. What's development when people make friends? 
when they are unfolded into community, when they find Jesus in the middle of that community and they say, there's something different about this place. What is it? It's that Jesus is at the heart of it. Jesus makes all things new. There's blend and the stuff going on with blend that Jackie's just talked about. We want to invest in that because the favor of God's on that. What did she say? Over a thousand people in 67 different nations. As a church, we feel like God wants us to invest in compassion. We also feel like that the Lord wants us to invest in the next generation. Not just compassion, but the next generation. Let me tell you what else God cares about. God cares about young people growing up to love and serve him. God really cares about that. Last week, Alice was telling me, my, my sister was telling me just a story from the threes and fours behind our stage. They were the ones that were going wild as I was preaching. And I was like, that must be Pentecost back there. I think it was. But Pat was leading it and he'd, he'd shared the message. And, and then it was a kind of ministry moment. And one of the three to four-year-olds was like, oh, I know how to do this. I do this at home with my mum and dad. So she started, she was like, what we do is we call up, curl up into a ball and we invite Jesus in. So the, the four-year-old started leading the ministry time. Isn't that a picture of the kingdom of God? Isn't that a picture of what we want to see? Our kids and youth ministry are experiencing significant growth favor. God is entrusting hundreds of young lives to us. In both our sites, kids have prayed for words of knowledge in their groups as we're meeting and then they've come through into our service to pray for us. Why? Because it models something about the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God will come to the small children. When we see them stepping out of faith and praying for us for healing, it's like, wow. They came into the, um, in the north. One of our many kids had a word about a man needing healing in his lower back. They were very specific about this. When they went into the service, all the words were shared and a man tentatively stood up. I'm sure he did. He was like, no way. But the team gathered around him to pray for healing and we found out later in the week that his back, back had got way better. In Central, our big kids came through to pray for healing and amongst the people who came up for a prayer was a woman who wanted freedom from addiction. One of the reception kids who came over to pray was too nervous to speak out loud. It was one of those moments where you come, kind of come over and it's like, shut down. But the kids' leader... Um, reminded her of the sign that we do in kids' worship for breaking chains. And whilst the leader prayed, the child acted out invisible chains being broken off the lady. It's like this. Like I... Well, growth has been incredible, and the Lord has shown us favor. We don't want to stop and give ourselves a pat on the back. The kids and youth team vision over the next two years is to make space for another hundred young people. To make this a reality, that's a lot of young people. We need to put our time and resources into launching kids and youth in the West site in March. That's going to be a big thing. We need resources to allow more oversight. We need more team on Sundays and midweek. Can I just speak to you why? Because we believe that our responsibility as a church is to raise up an army of young people. They are not being babysat while the adults have church. They're not out there watching a film why we do the real deal. They're out there learning who they are in Jesus, how to pray for the sick, how to invite their friends to know Jesus, how to hear from God. That's our vision as a church, that they would know who they are in God, that they would know the authority that they carry in here, in him, 
the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, that they, when they go into an environment and they go back into their schools, that they change that environment because the power of God is in them, that they, ca- they are carriers of the Holy Spirit. That's what we want them to be, that they come back here to gather together, to be renewed and restored, to go back into their environments, into their schools, which are really difficult places a lot of the time, but that they're carriers of the Holy Spirit. So they need to be trained in our groups. We need to train them. How do you carry the Holy Spirit? How do you hear from God? How do you deal with these situations? That's our heart. We're raising up an army of young people. That's the vision. It's big. That They turn around and they challenge their parents about what it means to live a life in the kingdom. That for sometimes, some of us might be apathetic and lukewarm and that they come back into the room and they're like, I want to pray about this. Like, wow, they are the church now and they deserve our best. They're not the church of the future. They're the church now. We want to release them with everything that we've been given now. Equip them. God has entrusted them to us as a people and we want to give them everything that we've got. We also want to reach young people who are not yet a part of this community. Over the last year, God's starting to stir this in people's hearts, and a number of conversations have started occurring. You know, that moment where it's like God's stirring, the conversations are happening. For this reason, we're having a meeting together, all of the people across Vineyard Church, Cardiff, on the 25th of November. And to look, this is about schools, this is about youth clubs, this is about outside of the church building, way out. It's like, God, what do you want us to do in our city? Because you called us to care about young people. Really excited about that. I'm going to have to keep moving, sorry. So we want to invest in compassion. We want to invest in our next generation. We want to invest in multi-site. We are expanding to the north. We've already done that. And to the west. Why? For those yet to come. For the people not yet with us. In an 18-month period, we will have launched two new sites. That's not to be underestimated. That's two new communities. And when I picture it, and when God gives me a vision, and he said, what does this look like? I see, like a, I see a map of Cardiff, and I see these lights on the map. That's how I picture it. So we've had central, and we've got this big light here occurring. The north now has a light. The west is going to have a light. It's got a light already. It's already started. It's just not meeting on Sundays. It's already started. And another way of looking at it, for me, it's a light, but it's also fires. So it would be a picture of fires of the Holy Spirit. If you put our light on a stand that it might give light to the city. Don't put it under a bowl. And so we've got these, these fires burning that are about the presence and power of God. And that people would come toward this, these fires to encounter God. That, that's the heartbeat. Do you know what I mean? It's not to be enfolded into a nice Christian community. No, it's the, <laughs> that's all right, that's not bad. They'd meet the living God and that he'd mess their life upside down and he'd turn it upside down and he'd say, this is what I want you to care about. I want you to care for these things. We've seen 70 people give their lives to the Lord so far this year, which is great. Many of most of them here in Central. Over the last month, I've heard three amazing stories about people coming to faith, giving their lives to Jesus, and finding home in our North site. Anthony, who shared a couple of weeks ago about coming to faith on Alpha and you know being an atheist and an engineer and way miles away from God, 
and then his journey of faith, joining the North site, and then bringing all of his friends to Alpha. Because that's what happens when people come to faith. They are the most contagious people about Jesus because he's changed their life and they've got friendship networks and they're, they're like, I want everybody to know. In the baptism service two weeks ago, we heard from Owen and Sean, and they just told their story of bumping into one of our Love Cardiff projects in a park, just Roth Park. We were just planting some seeds and praying for people. They came over, they bumped into our church. Their son at the time was just asking some mega questions, coming home from school and being like, I believe in God. And their parents were like, I've got no idea what to do with this. I don't know what we think. They bumped into our church. Again, divine moments in the right place at the right time. Bumped into our church. It was interesting. Anyway, a couple of months later, they realized that we were launching a north site, and it was right near where they live. So they started going along to the north site, have been coming for eight weeks, gave their life to the Lord, got baptized. Why? Because a community was planted where they could be a part of it. That's the vision. So easy as you go on as a church to just settle and say, oh, do you know what? This is a nice community. It's nice to be a part here. We are never to settle. That was never in Jesus' DNA. He was always like, I want you to go after the city. I want you to love the city. I want you to love the lost. I want you to love young people. I want you to love those who have less. Do you know what? Just in finishing, I've got no idea how I'm doing on time, but there are multiple ways of investing in eternity. Loads, thousands. Supporting your family, giving generously to charity, being hospitable, blessing your neighbor, giving to mission overseas, to name a few. At the heart of it is caring about what God cares about. His kingdom, stewarding our treasure for him. One expression of this is giving to the local church, and it's not the only expression by any means. There are lots of expressions of what it means to live a kingdom life, and I'd be really clear about that. But I just wanted to show you a couple of slides from our community just in finishing. Slide one, this is our Sunday attendance. 2017, 363, the big blue circle is where we were out. 2018, 483, 2019, 535. These are the number of people that come on a Sunday to our communities, which is generally about 60 to 70% of your church. So you'd have about two thirds of your church on any given Sunday. And then underneath you've got the kids. The point that I'm making is we have seen significant growth. We've grown by about 170 in the last two years. That's a lot of people to add to your community. Can you give the next slide? This is the average number of givers versus Sunday attendance. So as you can see, our Sunday attendance has grown massively. And our number of givers has basically stayed exactly the same for the last two years, about 250. So there are 250 people within our community that give to our church. We're so grateful. Next slide. This is our average income versus expenditure each month. So in the middle, you've got our average monthly giving. That's what comes in each month. And this is over a four-month period. £37,435 comes in each month. If you look at the left one, that is also included for those yet to come, where a lot of people gave towards our north site, and they gave for a two-year period because they wanted to see our north site launched. So that's 40275 income that we're seeing, our average expenditure at the moment is 38,866. So as you can see, slightly more is coming in than is going out on a very simple level. Firstly, I wanted to say a massive thank you 
to every single one of you who give. One of the most amazing things is, you know those 250 people that I talked about? Our income has actually gone up because those 250 people have become more generous. And they are absolutely amazing. And so I just wanted to say a massive thank you to you if you're here and you give. Um, you pay. I just wanted to say, for those of you that give, you pay. When somebody walks in, you've paid for their refreshments. You paid for the building to be open. You paid for the three alpha courses that are currently running. You paid for all of those compassion projects. You paid for those young people to be able to meet Jesus. You paid for the North site launch. Can you see how a little bit of generosity enables a whole lot to happen? And so I'm so grateful for that. Now, over the next couple of months, as a church, we're wanting to invest in compassion, in the next generation, and in multi-site. Those are the things that the Lord has spoken to us clearly about going after. He's like, this is where, these are where my fingerprints are, and this is where I want you to move. We are looking to raise our giving by about £5,000 a month. And this will enable the West to launch, the West site to launch, the kids and youth to be invested in, and the expanding of our compassion ministries. So we are asking the Lord for another 70 people to start giving during this period. And so we're just putting it out there and we're like, we are asking the Lord for provision. Do you know what? The Lord has always been so good to us. I've led this church for 11 and a half years. And sometimes I've sat there and been like, Lord, I don't know where it's going to come from. And he has been absolutely faithful. He has always given us enough to do what he's asked us to do. So this is a moment where, do you know what? We're just trusting the Lord. We believe, we know that the Lord said, plant the West site. We know that he said, invest in compassion. We know that he said, invest in the next generation. So we're sitting there going, Lord, we are just being faithful to what you've called us to do. And we're so, so excited about the fingerprints of what you're doing. And so for some of you, I'm just saying, would you get on board? 14 years ago, I was leading a youth ministry in another vineyard church called Trent Vineyard. And um, there were probably about 60 youth at the time. And we were in the process of building... Uh, we are in the, a building campaign. Do you know what I mean? Because we'd run out of space. The youth were in the most horrible place in history. And anyway, those 60 young people gave £10,000 to the church over a four-year period. I remember that. 60 young people. Because they caught what it was to be generous with their finances. Like, it was absolutely staggering. I was like... Oh my goodness. And it came out of the little. And I think that's the thing about the gospel. It's, it's not about how much we give. It's about the heart, our heart response to giving, about generosity. There will be some people in here who are loaded. And most of you will not have much to your name. But it's not about the amount of money. It's about what God wants to do. And as we learn to invest in his kingdom, we see a multiple. And it might not be now. It might be in eternity. But there are things that the Lord asks us to go. And so I'm going to finish there, but why don't you stand?